Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all this morning. So we read, Then the Lord told Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So this is our verse that everything this morning is going to hinge around. And it's pretty late on in our series. And you can go online if you want to catch up with uh, all of the super talks so far. Um, but I'm, So I'm going to basically give a very, very brief outline um, just for anybody visiting. So this is what we have. The Israelites, who were God's chosen people, they had been slaves in Egypt. Moses had led them out of Egypt, so cue the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea. God then delays their entry into the Promised Land by 40 years because really of their obstinance and their forgetfulness of his promise. And then at the ordained time, we have the Lord making this declaration to Joshua. So this took place after the Israelites had crossed the River Jordan into Canaan and they were camping in a place called Gilgal. So it's after the whole nation had been circumcised that we read these words in Joshua 5, verse 9. Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So to start off with, let's get a wee bit of clarity in our heads around reproach. Now, it's a term that you might have come across in church, but it isn't exactly one that crops up in everyday conversation. So what is it? Well, reproach is the expression of disapproval, displeasure, and disappointment with a person for conduct that is blameworthy and in need of change. And we could say that it goes hand in hand with other terms such as disgrace and dishonor, and actually you could have scandal in there as well. If somebody directed any of this language towards you, and if you knew, hands up, that you were in the wrong, guilty as charged, how do you think you might feel? You're likely to feel and experience a sense of shame. And actually, the, the New Living translation says, today I have rolled away the shame of Egypt from you. So this is what we're talking about this morning. Very easy topic for me, isn't it? Shame. Shame is it's a really human emotion. And at best, it can feel pretty uncomfortable. And at worst, it can actually feel very paralyzing. And it can be linked with fear as well, can't it? The fear of your shame being uncovered. And interestingly, I can very clearly remember the first time that I experienced that feeling of shame. So I was a ripe old age of four years old. I was in P1 and we had a spelling test. And obviously I was struggling big time with cat, mat and sat. So I decided to get out my wee red spelling book. And the thing is, I knew it was wrong because I remember kind of half having it under the table. And uh, funny enough, I got caught. But apparently I was pretty cute back then, so I didn't get too hard a time. But isn't that interesting? I was four years old. But that shame, that memory has actually stayed with me. When we hold on to our shame, it is so destructive because this is what it does. We are held back from the fullness and the richness of everything that God has for us. 
And boy, does the enemy love to stir, doesn't he? He loves to whisper condemnation and bring back those memories where shame might be attached. And his timing's perfect, isn't it? He does it very often in those moments when we're feeling vulnerable and we're feeling maybe a bit of a struggle with our self-worth and our value. But there's really good news this morning, so this is your spoiler alert, because God is in our midst today on a mission, I believe, to roll away your shame. And you know, I'm putting that out there at the outset just so that you know where we're headed and so you can open your hearts up to whatever he might want to do. I think that we are pretty good at getting that our shame, or sorry, our sins are forgiven, but yet we continue to carry the labels that our sin has generated. But we're gonna talk a little bit more about that later on. So where do we first come across shame? We don't need to go too far into the Bible to to find it. So Genesis 3, here we have Adam and Eve. They were wandering around the Garden of Eden, completely naked and very okay with that. Because the thing is, shame wasn't even on their radar until sin came in and everything changed. A complete shift took place and suddenly there they were feeling really exposed, ashamed. And then we see this concept of shame being carried right through the Bible from this point on. We see individuals experiencing shame, groups of people, and in fact towns and cities and whole nations as well can be shrouded in shame. Sin and shame can go hand in hand. And the verse we all know in Romans 3, verse 23, makes it clear that all of us in this room have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it's really important to hear this morning as well that shame can actually be found where we have been sinned against where we have been wronged and treated badly by others as well. But back to the children of Israel for a little while. So let's think about the shame that they were carrying. So where had it actually come from? There are a couple of um, schools of thought around this and they're linked with various Bible versions and really how the verses are written, which are worth thinking about. So number one, It was a disgrace for God's people to have been slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. Number two, there was shame in being laughed at at, by Egypt. Number three, there was shame in 40 years in the desert without being circumcised. And I think that all of these factors really come into play when we're thinking about the shame of this people group. But maybe let's take a few minutes to think about some of these in a little bit more detail. So let's start off with the slavery aspect. So for the children of Israel, their historic identity was one of slaves. And in fact, it was a multi-generational identity. And sometimes shame can actually be passed down through the generations in a similar way to this. 430 years of slavery, that's a long, long time. And there's no doubt that would have completely left its mark 
And this state of slavery would have brought with it a complete inferiority complex. They would have lived under an oppression that was seeking to control, leading to a really warped perspective of identity. So can you just imagine the resulting lack of self-worth would have made a, a real route for shame, exaggerated by the lens through which their Egyptian oppressors would have viewed them. But the thing is, we know that they were freed, don't we? They were freed by God's mighty hand. But yet, this is the thing, they remained captives in their minds. They were no longer slaves, but post-freedom, these people define themselves as wandering ex-slaves. And it's worth stressing, I think it's quite important as well, that slavery was something that had been enforced on the Israelites. So their shame in this context, it actually came as a result of them being victims of abuse. But regardless, the shame was really crippling. For them to move into another land, another reality would have required not just physical battles, but there were battles to be won in their minds. So moving on from slavery a little bit, um, some Jews also had, up to this point, um, retained some of the Egyptian customs and the en masse circumcision at Gilgal. It was basically intended to disconnect the Israelites from the Egyptian idolatry because they needed purified. For them to step into the land, purification needed to happen. And the circumcision that we read about, it carried the connotation of leaving slavery and death and bringing them into freedom and life. But it was more than this. It was actually an identification of the family that they belonged to. This was a marking. It was a setting apart because it's the reestablishment of that covenant relationship that anchors these people in who they are as children of God. For us today, when we think about shame, we maybe think about it or consider it to be a very internal thing. It isn't necessarily very obvious to those around us. And it can actually be something, therefore, that we hide and we carry the burden of without another human soul knowing about it. But for the Israelites, back in those days, interestingly, it was a bit different. There wasn't really a grasp of the separation between the internal and the external self. So emotions of all sorts, including shame, they were very visible, they were really public, and they majorly affected the lives of people experiencing and walking through those emotions um, in a way that really had a significant effect on relationships and life in general. Think of Tamar, I think we have a little picture up here. Tamar, was violated by her half-brother. And we read that she cries out, where will I carry my shame? You see, her shame was an actual physical burden. And in her case, 
do you know what she did? She threw dust over her head and she ripped her tunic in her distress as well. She feels so wretched that she tries to disguise her beauty through ashes. And she tears the royal robe because she doesn't feel worthy any longer to wear it. And in fact, in those days, shame was actually aligned with death. Why? Because it was thought to weaken the body and to wear it down, therefore reducing the number of years that you might have lived. In Psalm 89, the author laments around God appearing to break his covenant with King David. And these are the words that he uses. You, God, have cut short the days of his youth. You have wrapped shame around him. So really we can see that it was essential for God to step in here at this point in history because his heart was for these people uh, to step into their destiny, everything that he had for them. For the people to step into their destiny, they needed to step out from the shadows of their shame. Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. This was such a life-giving, incredible, restoring moment because the shame, that hold that the enemy had had over them and that they had been carrying, that had defined them for a crazy amount of time, this was the moment where it was to be rolled away. As broken people living in a broken world, the experience of shame is something that we all have in common. None of us are perfect, but it's actually what we do with the shame that's really key. And as I said earlier, shame can be a really uncomfortable experience. And maybe even as I'm speaking this morning, some of you are feeling uncomfortable But I just want to reassure you that that's all right, because I really feel that the Holy Spirit is going to do a real work of freedom today. So don't suppress it. Don't be scared of that. Many years ago, we had um, a single mum who came along to our church. And uh, not too long after being there, she said to Chris and I, can I come around and can I have a chat with you guys? So we brought her around. And she basically said to us, listen, we just, I just want to know, is it okay if I join in and taking communion when you're doing that as a church family? And we kind of thought, hmm, that's a bit of a strange question. But she went on to explain that her previous church experience had been one where she actually wasn't allowed to partake in communion because she had had a child outside of marriage. And, you know, it was something that really broke our hearts. You know, just the, the weight of the shame that she had carried for so long. She believed that in some way she was disqualified from taking communion. She wasn't acceptable in God's sight. And as you can imagine, we set her straight. Jesus is so full of mercy. 
our Jesus is so full of grace. He came that we might have life and life in abundance, life to the full. There's no room for shame there. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And John 8, 32 clearly says that the truth will set us free. And I want us to focus on these verses because uh, they're really important for this morning. This is Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 4. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. It's pretty clear to me from these verses that Jesus didn't arrive back in heaven, weighed down by the shame of the the world that he had taken upon himself. He despised the humiliation of the cross. But you know what he hated more? He hated more the fact that each one of us was imprisoned by the weight of the guilt and the shame that we had felt for the wrongs that we had done. And so Jesus' sacrifice, his brutal death, was a rescue mission for every one of us to release us from that. So why do we continue to carry the weight of shame? It is all about the cross. It's all about Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to be taking communion together um, shortly as part of our response. And as we take the bread and the wine or the juice, let's consider our shame and let's really lay it before our Savior because he has freed us from humiliation the weight and the sense of failure through his death on the cross and through his resurrection. A few months ago, um, Chris and I were leading a prophetic session with another church family. And uh, we had been given out words and it it was great. And there was one woman in particular I was really drawn to and I felt the Lord say, you need to speak over her that uh, I love her creativity. And I thought, okay. And kind of just waited because the words were kind of flying about. And then the session was coming to an end. So I remember thinking, well, it's not exactly a life-changing word to give to somebody. Do you know God loves your creativity? So I kind of thought, sure, it's okay. I'll just leave it. But uh, then I just kept being drawn back to this woman. And I really felt a bit told off actually by the Holy Spirit saying, you need to tell her before she leaves that I love her creativity. And um, so I did, she was literally putting her coat on and I went over and I said to her, listen, I know you are literally about to go out the door, but you can't go out that door without me telling you today that God loves your creativity. 
And she looked at me and she said, do you know, I have never really felt that anybody's understood my creativity before. So that, that's really special. And then, do you know when somebody gives you a look and you know there's more to come, but hasn't quite come. And um, so she said, I think I need to tell you. And uh, she went on to say that she had always wanted to get a tattoo of a cross. And so she had actually been in England the previous week and she decided this is the time. So she got a tattoo on her arm right here of a cross. And she said, Debbie, I, I came back and I was really excited about it. And I went to show my friends and she said, and they were really horrified. She said, they, they just didn't get it. They didn't understand why I would, maybe they were against tattoos or something. And she said, but she said, it was just not what I expected. And she said, and then just before the prophetic session, whenever we had worship, she said, I raised, I always love to raise both of my arms when I'm worshiping Jesus. And she said, but because I, my arms aren't covered because I'm wearing a short sleeve top, and I quickly put my arms down because I was, I was ashamed of my cross tattoo. And it was just one of those moments, do you know? It was just, I got really excited. I was like, that's it. That's exactly why you couldn't leave here until I told you that this is what the Lord had for you. And, um, you know, and she said, I will never be ashamed to raise my hands and worship Jesus again from this moment. So there's a lesson, guys, for you. Don't be like me. If uh, the Lord puts something in your heart to tell somebody, make sure you do, even if in your opinion you're thinking, that's not life-changing. Because actually, on that occasion for her, it was. Because she was released and she was free from that shame. Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. It is finished. And it's time for us to be finished, guys, with the hold of shame in our lives too, once and for all. It is finished. And I feel today, just like there was a designated day for the Israelites, I feel that today is a designated day for, for you. When your heavenly Father is wanting to draw a line under your shame, but you need to bring it before him. Addictions, angry outbursts, unfaithfulness, greed, gossip, lies, dishonoring others, pornography, which affects men and women. And then there's shame resulting from things done to us, as I referred to earlier on as well, such as unfair expectations that leave us feeling like a failure. Ask God to show you the root of your shame today so that you can then ask the Holy Spirit to pull it out of your life. And for some of you, that may possibly involve asking for forgiveness, if that isn't something that you've already done um, in relation to the root of your shame. So you may feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to do that. Now, our ministry team will be here at the end of the service to pray with and over you, and you don't need to divulge details. But you know what? 
there's power in your church family just standing with you and blessing what the Lord is doing. Nearly done. Back to the verse that this morning has hinged around, minus the Egypt reference. Your father's heart is that you can leave this place today confident that he's speaking over you. Today I have rolled away the reproach from you. Gilgal was a really interesting place. It was a place of memorial where people remembered what the Lord had done. It was a place of consecration and change. It was time for them to take the sign of the covenant to be set apart once and for all uh, from the Egyptian people and way of life. And Gilgal was also a place of worship and remained so for many years. So let's invite the Holy Spirit this morning to bring us into our own place of Gilgal, where we too remember, consecrate ourselves, invite change, and worship the one who is longing to roll away the reproach from our hearts and lives. And I really sense that this is a sacred, Emmanuel poured it family moment where we all need to walk this together. Do you know, we'll be stepping into this next season as a church family, as a church body, and we're being called to a new level of wholeness in our identity to do so in a kingdom-releasing, healthy way. And if you're visiting, please don't feel under any pressure as we take communion shortly, but you're also, if you love Jesus, more than welcome to do that with us. So Trevor has really kindly organized for the bread and the wine to be brought to you at your seat, so don't worry about moving at this point. Um, if I could just ask you not to take it quite yet, because we, it's something that we are going to do together. So this will just take a couple of minutes to get this handed out. So it's time to bring ourselves before our heavenly dad. And this morning, I just really feel that his arms are open wide to receive you as his sons and his daughters to bring freedom, to restore identity in the fullness of who you are and whose you are. Shame says that because I am flawed, I am unacceptable. Grace says that though I am flawed, I am cherished. So let's pray. Jesus, I bring my brokenness before the cross this morning. I acknowledge the shame due to the wrong that has been done to me by others and the shame caused by my own sinfulness. I lay it at your feet. Forgive me, Lord, for those thoughts, actions, reactions, words, areas of sin which has a, have a hold over me. I speak the name of Jesus and accept 
the gift of freedom from the shame attached today. Thank you that you have forgiven my sin and covered my shame. It is finished. Protect and release me from the enemy's lies that have held me back from stepping into the fullness of my identity and purpose as a child of God so I can be released into all that you have called me to be in the next season, moving forward as part of this family. I choose to give you my shame today in exchange for your unconditional love, acceptance, and peace. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So feel free to take your bread and wine.